Hello, you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let me do it instead. Hello, people. You are listening to Five Years Time, the podcast. I'm Harry. And I'm Darcy. There we go. Taking it over. Happy Monday, everybody. How are you today, darling? (laughs) I'm not too bad. I'm feeling a little bit achy from my spin class just now. Yeah, we just did a spin, a killer spin class, actually. It was. It, was. it wasn't enjoyable. <laughs> did you not enjoy it? At the point when my chest started hurting and I felt like I was going to pass out. <laughs> Apart from that, it was a beautiful experience. I enjoyed it. I feel like sitting down for a, a while now, I'm, I'm going to feel it, but I really I enjoyed it. I about to say sitting down is relaxing in the spin class. <laughs> thinking <laughs> our levels of relaxing is different. <laughs> <laughs> We have got another fabulous guest for you today. Fabulous. I can't believe how quickly season three is going, actually. We're already on episode four. It's flying by, isn't it? It is, actually. Only a couple more to go. And we've got a killer guest today, haven't we? We do, indeed. We have got a Scottish-born jazz singer who we came across whilst watching Gregory Porter at the Royal Albert Hall, which was just an amazing night, wasn't it? It was. She was amazing. Gregory was amazing. Yeah, all round amazing um if you don't know who gregory porter is check it out and if you don't know who our guest is you will after today you will indeed (laughs) our guest today is georgia cecile so as darcy mentioned georgia is a jazz singer who was the opening artist for gregory porter who we saw back in october i think And then we chatted to her back in December last year after what had been a very, very exciting year for her career. All of which you can hear about right now. So without further ado, here we go. Hello. 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 Hi. We can. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Yes, Uh, really good. Thank you. Oh, it's so nice to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's so nice to meet you both finally. (laughs) Oh, no, we're so looking forward to chatting to you. We always like to kind of start with your childhood. Where did you grow up? Obviously, we can hear the Scottish accent. Where Whereabouts are you from? Um, so I'm from a little town called Uddingston, just outside of Glasgow. Oh, wow. Um, so um, just kind of the central belt. Um, Glasgow is kind of where, you know, I grew up, spent a lot of my um, kind of younger years like hanging out in Glasgow so that I would say I'm Glaswegian yeah (laughs) right and were you quite an academic child did you always have a love and were you always good at singing I guess was that something that came very early in your life yeah I think growing up in a musical family like you know I've got a big family my dad is one of nine kids and everyone everyone plays instruments everyone sings everyone plays piano guitar and we would get together on, you know, occasions, birthdays, Christmas, and it would just be a sing song. And as a child, like you're encouraged to perform for your family members. And it was just kind of something that was really normal for me. And, you know, and then when I realized that not everyone's family does this, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> no, oh, really? <laughs> That's so nice. So you were always going to love music and have this passion for it because it was just all around your family. Exactly, yeah. I was, I was always enjoyed it. Like my brother and sister, they are great 
that sing in and they, they play instruments. Um, they don't do it as a profession right enough, so that's a different thing that kind of came later where I had to decide if, you know, if this is something I wanted to pr- pursue professionally and if I had the other skills necessary for that. But yeah, I was really academic. Like I, I actually started off studying a law degree when I left school and, you know, I was advised by my teachers, you know, go down an academic route, like you can yeah. do music on the sides and you, you can do music for fun. It wasn't until I was like 20 that I realised, okay, I want to actually do music as a job and, you know, gave up the law degree and changed to a degree in music, which I, every, everyone was really supportive of anyway. How did you find the law degree? Did you also enjoy it and it was a hard decision to leave it or when you were doing it, were you just like, this just isn't me? Yeah, I didn't I didn't like it at all. I felt so kind of kind of creatively stifled and it wasn't sort of bringing my soul to life in the way that I've craved from something in the arts mm. and you know I was always an artsy child like I did dancing shows all my through my teenage years you know I loved art I loved music and that's where I kind of felt most like myself and to be in an environment that's just kind of closed to that was kind of unnatural and and yeah pretty just pretty much didn't go to the classes just like <laughs> not not turn up and like you know then I realized I was like okay I'm I'm wasting my time here has it always been jazz from a really young age that was jazz quite big in your family yeah it was my grandfather was a jazz piano player um like through the sort of 60s and 70s and he would play a lot of these songs in the house um you know, my parents would have like Billy Holiday, Frank Sinatra albums playing in the house. And my aunt, she was a really beautiful singer and she would sing a lot of like um, Ella Fitzgerald, Billy Holiday. And I worked in my uncle's restaurant when I was like a teenager from when I was 15. And, you know, he would have all the jazz records playing all the time in the mm. restaurant. And I think because I spent so much time at work, you know, it was like my side job while I was at uni. Um, and I just heard this music over and over and over and it just kind of started to get more curious about it and but I didn't actually really start singing jazz till I was like you know 25 oh, wow. something like that because I, I was I wanted to sing pop and R&B music but I didn't really think I was like good enough to to kind of sing jazz because it is a whole other kind of art form I feel like and then I guess it was just meeting other musicians who were into jazz and they started to sort of say, right, come on, you should try this. Like, we'll put you on a gig next week. You've got to turn up and sing Cole Porter music. And I'm like, ah. Yeah. So, and also you write a lot of your own music. So was that something that came from a young age? Were you always writing songs growing up? Yeah, I think so. Like, I always knew that I wanted to to write songs and I guess like meeting my writing partner Ewan Stevenson who's also my piano player I met him when I was about 19 20 and we started writing songs together back then and it was all kind of um just experimental trying to find out what style we wanted to write you know trying out different kind of ideas and and really just honing honing our craft honing our skills as songwriters together and we've been on this journey now together for a long time and the album that I put out is a kind of result of that of that um, partnership and and where did all the inspiration come from you know to to create all these songs 
various different musical influences, um, poetry, um, artists that I've been growing up listening to, like um, Duke Ellington, Stevie Wonder, uh, Aretha Franklin, Carole King, all the kind of great songwriters of the American songbook were people that I really looked up to and started to study their work. And, and the goal was to write songs that sounded timeless, that would still be around in like 20, 30, 40 years. When you were starting out, you know, you, just, you decided to take the plunge, law isn't for me, I want to be a singer. How was that transition? You said you had really supportive people around you, but I'm, I can imagine it's still quite a daunting experience. I think that, well, first of all, it was like a little voice inside my head that kept kind of coming back and saying, you know, you've got a natural gift for something. And for me, that was singing. Like, I, I was always good at it and I was always told I was good at it and, and and I loved it so much that I had to sort of find the courage then within myself to say it out loud you know because like when you have something in your heart or in your mind that's one thing but when you can say it out loud in front of the people you love that takes courage mm-hmm. especially something like that where it's not a kind of traditional um, career career path you know to, yeah. to, to, to say you want to be a singer people are like oh good luck to you you know <laughs> um but to actually sit down and say well I want to do this seriously and here's how I'm gonna when you speak to people about this you have to sort of say well I'm going to do this but here's how you yeah. know and, and, mm. and have maybe a plan I think that's what made it easier for me like when speaking to my family and and my friends was that I had a plan of kind of ways that I would kind of hone my skills as a singer, how I would mm-hmm. how I would grow and, and learn how to do it as a profession, and I think having a, a sort of an idea of how how you're going to actually take action is is really important, and getting people on your side. Yeah, what was that plan? If you don't mind telling us, like, what what were those steps to going through that path? I think. Well, I said for a start, um, okay, I want to I want to be a singer and I want to be a songwriter. And I said, there's this, I've researched all the courses in the UK. There's this one course that I've looked into and the modules on the degree are really in line with, with what I want to, what I want to do. You get songwriting modules, you get music production modules, you get um, voice studies modules. And that was a degree at Napier University in Edinburgh called Popular Music. And it just sounded exactly what I wanted to study and, and I went for an audition there and got into the course and that was a four-year degree. So having that plan of, okay, this is how I'm going to study it or, you know, this is how I'm going to learn the craft. This is how I'm going to learn the skills. Mm-hmm. And you get music business on it as well. So they teach you about like music copyright um, how to kind of be an entrepreneur and be self-employed and all the, all the kind of the day-to-day things that go into being a, an artist that you maybe don't think about. And it sounds like from the way you're talking about it that you found that a really valuable experience because I can imagine when you're going into a a creative industry, lots of people think you kind of have to do it so young and almost like forfeit education. But the way you've described that, it just sounds like it was the perfect thing to give you every element you needed to be a, a business person as well. All those aspects of the career, not just I can sing on stage kind of thing. 
Yeah, totally, because, you know, you can be the best singer in the world, but if you don't have any business acumen or any marketing skills, you know, then you're going to really struggle to to make it a full-time job and, and to have longevity as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. We were actually, we were reading an article that you did. I think it was, was it the Square Mile? Yeah, yeah. Lots of the things you said were, I kind of felt like we were quite similar. You sound like you're quite a deep thinker and like the mention of poetry quite a lot. Is that the side of you, I suppose, like the the poetry, the thinker? Do you think that's affected your music in any way, whether that's good or bad? Absolutely. Um, I always refer to Louis Armstrong, who is one of the great trumpet players, who basically was like one of the, the kind of forefathers of jazz music coming out of New Orleans back in the 1920s. And he said very famously that... Um, you play who you are so as an artist or as you know in any job role essentially your work is who you are as a person and I think that comes across you know in my music and my performance you know a lot of people come up to me after a gig and say like you really bear your soul you really take people deep into the the dark corners of their own soul that maybe they they never knew even existed and I think that's my goal is to just really um, in some way open people up and, and get them to to go deeper and to think deeper and to and to love deeper and you know it's it is a mission I feel like you're you're for me anyway I feel like this is my vocation this is my job it's not you know is to actually make music but to, to make people's lives better through it that's so yeah, nice yeah that's lovely to hear actually as well yeah obviously we saw you at the Royal Albert Hall when with the Gregory Porter gig and honestly you're mesmerizing to watch not only is your voice amazing but just your stage presence is so I don't know just so engaging I just honestly I was mesmerized by you Darcy kept saying she was like wow did you hear that wow (laughs) (laughs) I just thought you're amazing but in in the best way possible I thought you were older than you are obviously on stage you, you could tell you were young but when I closed my eyes and was listening to you you just almost sound like beyond your years not the lyrics but your voice itself just has a real maturity to it and I just thought that was a really nice element to you. You know, it's something different about you. Um, yeah, now I feel like I'm just being a fangirl. Just. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I totally love that. And I like to think that I'm a bit of an old soul. And that, yeah, I, I think that's that you can hear that in people, can't you? Mm. If they mm. sound like they've been around for a lot longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Just touching base back on the university side of things, normally it's quite a straightforward answer from people, whether they say they they enjoyed it or not. But obviously you experienced two different uni experiences. So would you say, you know, uni is an amazing thing if you're really passionate about what, mm. what you're going in to do? Yeah, no, I think so. I think uni will only draw out what is within you and what potential is within you and how hard you're willing to work and but yeah, whatever it is you're studying, it has to it has to kind of ignite that spark in you, and and it can do that if you, you know, if you have that passion already there, or if you, you know, if you're curious enough. But mm. for example, like and that was so obvious between the law degree and the music degree was that I would I would have failed miserably at law, but at music because it was something that I was really passionate about and I actually enjoyed you know Mm. then I went on to to have success in that and is that similar sort of in the two genres of music that it sounds like you kind of 
had a go at the the pop and R&B and then transitioning into jazz? I think so. I think that it was a kind of natural progression because a lot of people come to jazz later on in their their life it's mm. very rare very rarely you get someone who's like 16 17 years old really into jazz like mm. it's well if it, if it's in the family then that's that's cool but you you kind of for me anyway my you know my appetite for jazz became stronger as I got older and I was more curious so I felt like with pop styles I was you know I could do it but it wouldn't really didn't challenge me in, a, in the same way and mm. it didn't allow me to grow or it just didn't connect as much and yeah I think you just have to find yourself and find your your own style I mean what I do is is probably a crossover between jazz and pop in a way that Gregory Porter does like it's not totally jazz and it's not totally pop and I think when we try and pigeonhole ourselves as artists that's when you can come up against sort of difficulties whereas if you Mm. just say well this is who I am I'm influenced by this kind of music yeah take it or leave it you know definitely and then you've had such an exciting year from what I mean we've just done a little bit of research on you I'm sure you could Mm -hmm. tell us more but doing the opening for Gregory Porter must have just been like a dream come true what was what was that like oh it was amazing (laughs) just one of the best experiences um and the timing of it as well was really beautiful because I just put out my album and literally two weeks later got the call to you know go on tour with with Gregory and I've been such a fan of his music for so long he's one of my heroes how did it come about did you approach him or did they see your album or how did that relationship happen yeah I'd love to say that he just called me but (laughs) (laughs) Um, it was um my my booking agent was in contact with the promoter for the show and you know sent across my album and and the album was doing really well in the, in the, the charts, the jazz and blues charts, and they loved it. And they said, this is really awesome. I think this would suit the, the audience for the, for the Gregory show. And, and you know, before I knew it, I was, I was down in London. And Amazing. And f- four nights there. So, yeah, it was... Is he as nice as you would expect? He's so nice. He's Aww. super humble, really sweet just very humble, very um, warm person. And I think people just love him because he's so authentic, you know. People just are really drawn to him. He's got a real warmth, a real aura about him. Oh, that's lovely. And what was it like, you know, singing your material in such an iconic building to, you know, such a huge audience? That must have been quite the experience. Yeah, that was kind of scary because, (laughs) you know, singing like new music, new songs that no one knows, you know, a lot of people are kind of, they might think, well, we don't know this music. And it is a risk, essentially. But um, I had such amazing feedback. The audience were so warm and appreciative. And and I felt like the songs stood up on their own and connected. And yeah, I was I was super proud of, of what we did. Oh, <laughs> yeah, amazing. amazing. And do you feel like nervous going into, I mean, it might be different from like event to event, but do you still get those nerves before you go on stage? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> every time. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, every time. You think it gets easier. Um, I think if you care, mm-hmm. then you will be nervous. 
Definitely. Yeah. And then another thing that we, when we watched you at the Royal Albert Hall, we saw that you were doing Ronnie Scott's a few weeks later, which we did try and get tickets for, yeah. but it was sold out. Was that the first time you played there and how was it? Yeah, that was my debut. Um, I've always wanted to sing at Ronnie Scott's. Mm. It's always been a dream of mine. Um, and to just be asked to, to perform there was amazing. Um and yeah it was sold out we we had such a great night that was a bigger band to what we did at Gregory so we had uh, a quintet at the Ronnie Scott's we had drums and went on that one and it was um, a full night of my own music and some um, jazz standards as well and yeah it was just such an amazing night like yeah the audience were so warm and they loved it And then the album, of course, which you've mentioned a few times. So that came out end of September and it seems like it's just done amazingly well. How was that process? How was how did you feel releasing? I can imagine that's really nerve wracking. Like, yeah. I don't know, giving your child away or something to the world to listen to and scrutinise. How did you find that? You're so right. That's what it feels like. <laughs> it was really hard. Like putting out an album is is no mean feat and and you know I'm not going to sit and say that it was all easy because it's so much work and things that you don't even think about like the artwork all the, the tiny tiny details um that you need to consider um this album has has been kind of a project of mine well a lifelong project this is my first album so this is like a collection of of songs that you know I've been writing for a long time and and I selected the best 10 songs and we recorded them during 2020 and of course with the lockdown we kind of had this stop start stop start but that wasn't actually it kind of worked out for the best because then we had like little breaks where we could listen back and and reassess and and think about the arrangements and spend more time like for example the backing vocals you know I would have maybe only had like two days in the studio to get them down but I got a little studio set up at my flat and spent like a month just like recording the backing vocals, taking my time. So it kind of worked out that there was more time to work on it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And then once it was kind of out there, what was the feedback you got? How did you feel about that? Yeah. So we put it out this year and the yeah, the feedback was amazing. We we got it to number three in the jazz album charts, which yeah, is like, congratulations. Thank you. Like and for a debut album as well. That's, yeah, that's incredible. Amazing. So, like independent artists. So it was such an amazing feeling to know that that support was there and that people were buying it. And a lot of people stream music now, which is one thing, you know, but actually buying an album, a CD or, or a digital copy that's huge support for for new artists and we really appreciate that so and the response is still is still being amazing like we're kind of opening it up to Europe now and Asia and America and trying to you know get the album all all over the world the songs are absolutely beautiful and then another thing did you win Scottish Jazz, Jazz Awards best album as well yeah. amazing just like last, last wednesday <laughs> oh congratulations it's just been such an exciting year it sounds like yeah it has it's just since putting the album out 
this has been the best most exciting sort of six months of my career and yeah I just can't wait to see what else is going to come up and you know already I've got some exciting plans for next year that I'm really excited about so I'm not going to stop I'm going to keep my foot on the gas yeah you have to probably is a really hard question but do you have a highlight so far of I mean, it doesn't have to be one of those things we've just mentioned, but is there a highlight that you just think that was just amazing? I'm so proud of that or what an amazing experience. I think like definitely the Albert Hall because that room is steeped in history. Like it's every singer's dream to sing there, you know, to be on the stage that people like Billy Holiday, you know, Frank Sinatra, everyone has graced mm. that stage before you, so it kind of felt like a blessing and also a little sort of stamp of approval from the gods. Mm, yeah. you're, you're doing a great job, you know, keep going. That was what it yeah. felt like. Also from like Gregory as well, he's basically saying that he thinks you're good enough to be there, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah, no, he really loved it. And he, yeah, he was super complimentary backstage and said that his friends were texting him in the audience being like, your support act's dope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so nice. Nice. <laughs> it's what you want to hear, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it's worth mentioning that the Jazz Awards, you were the first woman to won to win that award, weren't you? Wow. Which is amazing because it will, you know, inspire so many other young women jazz Female, artists. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I mean, the album award has always been won by men, so that was really special and yeah, I think I wanna keep inspiring other young women to to come into the jazz world and, and to go for it and, and you know and if I can do it then they can do it have you found any hurdles not necessarily about being a woman in a male-dominated industry I guess it could be something completely different but have you found there's been hurdles along the way throughout your career and if so how do you deal with them oh you know there's so many hurdles that I've faced over the years um I don't even know where to start because (laughs) it just feels like it feels like it's just one hurdle after the next and it's just about how you overcome them and how you remain true to yourself and you know I think it's always about just having um that kind of bulletproof self-belief and saying you know I think you have to learn to take criticism and learn to 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 take rejection there's a lot of rejection in this industry I've been told a million no's before I'll get one yes. Like, it took me like three or four years to get, three years, I think it was, of emailing to get a gig at the Edinburgh Jazz Festival. And then eventually one year they were like, yeah, we really like what you're doing. And then two years later, I was like the poster girl for the whole festival. So you just got to, I think you got to be, you got to persevere. You got to keep putting out good content, good work. And get feedback, you know, look at your mentors, look at people who are 10 years ahead of you in the, in the industry who are doing what you want to do and speak to them, send them a message, ask them, what do you think of my work? What do you think of my music? And, and be open to criticism and, and not take it personally, but use it as a as a tool to get better. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, touching base on when you said that, you know, it takes so many no's before you get the yes. What what was your motivation? You know, was it your, your passion or drive to knowing that you are going to get some I I just really believed um well I believed in my ability I believed that I had a had a talent and I believed that the people that I worked with you know my other musicians all also really believed in me and 
I had to just keep working hard, keep putting myself out there. I think I heard a quote the other day and it was like, you have to be willing to look like an idiot in the short term to to win in the long term. Yeah, and I, I love think that. it is that. You have to like not be too proud and I know people that are like emailing venues for gigs or festivals and you just don't get a response like and that's normal you know and like people have to realize that like you're going to come into the industry you're going to be ignored you're going to you're going to be told no but you just have to really focus on you know putting nice videos out there getting nice um get songs out there that are going to connect with people actually just put out content that is good well i was gonna say there's almost this added it's like an added job and added pressure that comes with being in a creative industry now i suppose almost any industry yeah, it's, it's really. social media i mean it's almost like you have this extra bit on the side that you have to like you say put content out there have a presence on social media because people engage more with you but as nice as that is and you get that f- instant feedback it's obviously extra pressure how how do you find that you're totally right um first thing a promoter will ask you if you know if you're getting booked to do their festival they'll say like send me your instagram page <laughs> send me your facebook page yeah it's like another um, cv now yeah. yeah yeah that is it is a cv you're right um but you just have to you have to just um treat it as a job maybe give yourself you know, a schedule where you say, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna do my Instagram or Facebook work for an hour a day and then I'm mm-hmm. not going to sit and scroll because it can eat up your time. And yeah, then make you feel bad about yourself as well because you sit there, like, comparing <laughs> yeah. to everyone yeah. else, don't you? It is, it is crazy, isn't it, that, you know, social media could decide whether you were to get a gig or not. You know, it doesn't come down to sometimes how talented you are. I just can't agree with I just I just think that's so wrong, though. Yeah, yeah, I it? do. It's, it's one of those weird things that, you know, it's a bit backwards. You can see where they come from, from the companies. But at the same time, if you're more talented than whoever that's got double your followers, shouldn't mean that, know. you know, they but get put forward. It's about business and they want to they mm. want to know that they'll get bums on seats. They'll sell mm-hmm. tickets. Exactly. More, they'll sell more tickets to the, the artist who has double the following, unfortunately, you know. Yeah. Um, and But yeah, I think you, you have to you know play the game but you also just have to look after yourself and look after your art and not compromise that it's something which i can imagine is gonna be quite hard for you to decide but do you have a favorite band or a favorite jazz singer yeah i mean there's there's so many that i love and if anyone was wanting to get into jazz um i would start with nancy wilson sarah vaughan I mean, obviously, Billie Holiday, Frank Sinatra, Nina Simone, they're my, they're my heroes as well. Um, um, but in terms of, like, as a performer, Nancy Wilson, she had this, like, presence on stage. And, and I, I've watched all her festival shows from, like, 60s and 70s and 80s. You know, she, she died at 80 years old, 81, I think she was, she was when she died just a couple of years ago. You know, that kind of era of glamour, like, that kind of... Shirley Bassey sort of style glamour, mm. like that on stage presence, that command. That's what I'm all about. Well, actually, that lends me very nicely to my. I wanted to talk to you about fashion. I think you've become my new fashion icon. <laughs> you just have such. I feel like your your fashion is kind of that timeless look, like you say, glamour. 
where does your inspiration I think I saw somewhere that your inspiration was sort of your mum also that she's really into fashion and so was that something you were growing up that you were all so interested in or did that come later in life sorry these are lots of questions but where do you where do you like choose your outfits for each gig and what is it you look for in an outfit for a gig all of the above (laughs) wow no it's such a huge part because um another great quote from it was Duke Ellington or something said that people listen to music with their eyes first Mm -hmm. so when they're at a gig and they're watching you they're looking at you first and foremost. So how you present yourself really is important. Mm-hmm. As yeah. much as like we, we like to think that you can rock up in, in your trainers and <laughs> and that's cool. Like that works for some people, but I think the kind of music that I want to play it requires sort of a presentation is, that matches that. So, but yeah, my mom she she has always had amazing taste. Like she's got that kind of timeless classic French chic style, and that's kind of being passed down to me and I get lots of hand-me-downs from her that I treasure. Oh, lovely. But like for a stage outfit, like I always kind of look at the room, what size of the the stage, you know, if it's a massive hall or auditorium, then I always go for something maybe long with like some unique detail. Do you quite like colour? Because you, when I think when we saw you, it was that beautiful, I think it was like bright pink or something that was like very standout. Is that something you quite like to go for? Oh, yeah. I think, you, I think you've got to stand out on stage. And <laughs> my one of my mum's friends um, is a famous opera singer called Mary McLaughlin. She gave me some advice. You know, she said, never wear a print on stage because the audience it, it just kind of loses itself whereas if you're in a block color or two block colors mm-hmm. it will stand out much more so I've taken some advice from Good advice. but like if I'm doing a sort of little intimate jazz club like Ronnie Scott's I can wear something a bit more fun slightly kind of influenced by the 70s like interesting prints bits of feather everything <laughs> if you could choose one we say motivational but I suppose it's like your favorite song that you put on when you feel down to cheer you up or you put it on if you want to dance around the kitchen something that like I don't know picks you up or makes you feel like you're living your best life (laughs) good question um let me think um I love um anything by Aretha Franklin like Mm -hmm. um yeah, I mean, Aretha Franklin, R-E-S-P-C-T. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. That is a dance around the kitchen song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah 100%. I'm actually going to go, I'm going to go back to a different question, not our <laughs> final ones, because I'd be really interested to know, like, what when you get into the zone of creating songs, and I saw it briefly on your Instagram the other day, you know, do you put music on to try and, like what I'm saying is it's it must be so hard I can't imagine doing it myself because I'm not very creative but putting a song together and you know blending that into the music and all of these different elements that come into creating a song how do you get yourself in that kind of headspace to create these songs yeah I think you have to sort of make sure you've not got any other distractions like and say right I'm going to sit for an, an hour or even half an hour and I'm going to work on songwriting like give yourself those those limits those boundaries like mm-hmm. creativity flourishes within a boundary right whereas if you just have like all the time in the world you're going to procrastinate so mm. um having like a set time frame having like your phone in a different room um 
and maybe just starting off with some some lyrics maybe start writing some poetry and see if you can then start to hear how that might sound over a melody idea you know sit at a keyboard usually or a piano and just noodle around let my hands sort of find melodies and I just maybe would start to read the lyric that I've written down and start to sing it and see how it might sound over a specific chord progression and then I'd have maybe like a seed of an idea and I'd bank it for a while and maybe come back to it later on with fresh ears and think okay that's got something or that's not Mm -hmm. got anything (laughs) and I think it's just about like reviewing yourself and you know and then letting someone else come and review it for you as well and uh, getting that external input is really important. You're so right about a deadline. It's it's good to put time limits on things, I think, actually, in, in everything we do, even like social media, like you said. Yeah, it's healthy. It really mm. is. Uh, more and more I've started to do that. Like, I found myself, even a few months ago, getting, like, sucked into that, like, replying to comments, replying to Instagram messages at, like, two in the morning, and I'm like, this is not healthy. So yeah start to like limit myself to only certain hours of the day and then after a certain time just like okay I'm not going to check my phone until tomorrow and it's so hard though we're, we're all we're all human at the end of the day exactly yeah yeah definitely well on that note we like to ask back to the question yeah sorry back to the, the, back to the questions <laughs> we, we like to ask if there's a piece of advice that you would give your younger self I would say I think just don't worry about pleasing other people and and do what's right for you um I think a lot of the time we're trying to make decisions based on what other people will think of us um Mm -hmm. you know whether it's your family or you know your co-workers but that always kind of ends in you being dissatisfied or you making the wrong decision so I think just do what's right for you and don't be afraid of hurting other people because the ones that that matter will still be there in the long run where do you want to be in five years time i have seen somewhere that you want to create a bond song (laughs) that's my goal yeah that's that is one of my goals in life um and yeah I just want to be I want to be touring the world I want to be playing music to audiences all over and to maybe collaborating with with other people Mm. like I would love to I'd love to write with you know and record with people like Gregory or Jamie Cullum or yeah um even like um Nora Jones someone like that I would love to to have some other collaborations, um, just be continuing doing what I love and, and, and growing that. Lovely. Is there, a, is there a certain country or venue that you kind of have always thought, I really want to play there? Yeah, I've always wanted to play in Japan. I feel Ooh. like they've got, such a, they've got such a big following for uh, like jazz and this kind of music. And everyone has told me, like, you've got to go to Japan, you've got to play there, they're going to love you get your music across there um so that is somewhere I'd like to go and, and sing for sure amazing and have you got any plans for next year that you can that you're allowed to share with us or that you know that you're doing what what can we expect what can we wait for yeah I've got a few things announced um I'm going to be going to South by Southwest Festival in Texas in March amazing wow. how exciting yeah, yeah. 
So it's like it's like Coachella for emerging music, you know, it's for wow. artists. And then I'm doing Love Supreme Festival in July, which is just outside London, and it's got like Eric Abadou, TLC, it's got like amazing lineup. Yeah, a lot of nice festivals. And just probably get back to writing again. I've I've not been writing for quite a while now, so Oh well thank you so much, Georgia. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. I can't wait to see where your career goes. It's just it's all sounds so exciting. Thank you. I'm I'm so um, excited for you guys with the podcast. It looks like it's going really well. So well done. Congratulations on that. Thank you very much. And thank you for taking the time to chat to us. We really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Another smashing episode, if I do say so myself. What a lovely person. Thank you very, very much for joining us. Thank you, Georgia. That was just such a nice chat. We really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit and hearing about the amazing year she's just had. Indeed. I just find it so fascinating how somebody can come up with a song, let alone sing the way she does. <laughs> a whole album of songs. Yeah, amazing. she's incredible. Very if you talented. haven't heard Georgia sing or perform, check her out. She's unreal. She's, you know boosting her career mega at the moment if that makes any sense um her name is georgia cecile and yeah you should check her out buy her album listen to her sing you won't regret it you won't not one bit so if you guys want to keep up with all things five years time you can check us out on our instagram at five years time the podcast yep uh, to keep up date with everything that's going on with us and our n- upcoming guests. We're extremely fascinating people. <laughs> we, it's just like a, another world on Five Years Time yeah. Instagrams. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode on the last day of February. Can you believe that already? It's flying by, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Um, until then, have a fabulous week. Do indeed. We'll see you next Monday. Well, we we won't see them. Well, you'll hear us. Hear our voices (laughs) next Monday.